everyone. Welcome to Bunker Mania Wrestling. I am the giraffe, me Jeremy Graves. That person alongside me is, of course, the decadane, Mr. Ian Bolton. We are back after a bit of a hiatus, as it were. We've recharged some batteries and such. And we figured, Ian, a good way to get things going again would be literally to just go full gear into the full gear pay-per-view. Because what better time than the month of November? We're getting towards the end of the year. Things have got to start setting up the next year. So we will be talking about the Full Gear pay-per-view today. If you are a first-time listener and or watcher, thank you very much for giving us a chance. We hope you enjoy the show. You can find us on your podcast provider of choice in audio form, or if you're watching us on YouTube, why not hit that subscribe button? And of course, you can check out past videos of ours as well. Good, sir. I've done a lot of talking already, so... What I will ask you to begin with is, can you sum up your feelings of Full Gear in three words? Three words? I mean, that's a lot. Well, I thought if okay. I give you one, it might be hard. Okay, I, in, in one word, three words, word, or three, up to three words, up to three words. Decently entertaining show. Hmm, fair. I, it's, I, I, just to kind of kind of go on go, kind of expand on that just a little bit essentially so like i think because i haven't been watching a lot of AEW television regularly but i've just been keeping an eye on like storylines so the big ones like mgf and all that sort of stuff and it's like most most of the in-ring action has been really fine i've been i, I think it's just like there were it was there was, wasn't a necessarily a uber bad spot on this show a lot of it was it's it's what you would like from a wrestling show nowadays good wrestling good entertainment um i think there are one or two big highlights in this but other than that it's a, it's a very solid it's a solid entertaining AEW show i'm going to describe it as this show delivered i thought this was a great pay-per-view in terms of stuff that had built up recently on tv and such i thought it paid off a lot of things there's obviously one big thing it did not pay off yet because one assumes that's going to be a bit more of a slow burn we may get to that accordingly but overall excellent matches on this show some really interesting developments a huge curveball in terms of a development throughout the show which we will get onto accordingly that led towards the main event which i don't think anyone saw coming and that actually began at the end of the pre-show because the way we're going to do this to sort of begin with ian to sort of change things up a little bit i've mm-hmm. got three headlines from the show written down as it were okay the headlines i have gone with are first of all mjf retains the second mm-hmm. one which we will definitely touch on osprey is all elite mm-hmm. and then the third one which i think is one of the other curveballs of the evening the continental title and i'm not sure if you're aware of this but this is a very interesting thing that was announced i will say it not exactly great on the pay-per-view but then expanded on after the pay-per-view and it's a really interesting concept so i definitely want to try and delve into that if we can Mm -hmm. but but uh, obviously the big thing mjf has retained the championship championships plural because on the zero hour pre-show he teamed with samoa joe to defeat the guns to retain the roh tag team titles but the story was after the match because Joe had done his thing, he did the favour, he's got a guaranteed title shot from MJF, so he's like, cool, I'm done, gonna go to the bar, or whatever he does after. And then the Mm. guns came back and attacked MJF with a chair, nailing him in the leg, basically having to send him to the hospital. The other surprise was Adam Cole was in attendance, seemingly fresh off surgery just a few weeks ago from when he shattered his foot in multiple places from the big Grand Slam show in New York. And 
as MJF is being loaded into the ambulance, Zero Hour is, quote-unquote, going off the air before we go to the pay-per-view proper. He's basically saying, don't let them take my title from me, Adam. Don't let them. And there's Adam Cole, literally on crutches. He cannot put any weight whatsoever on this shattered foot. And he's like, I promise. And then the camera pans round, and he has that look of, oh, crud. (laughs) (laughs) And then we go to the pay-per-view proper. (laughs) It it was Uh, a really unique and fun curveball, because at that point, obviously, as we sort of go towards the end of the show now, as it were, gradually getting there, you knew MJF was going to come back. But part Mm. of you was thinking, what the hell are they going to do? Adam Cole cannot possibly wrestle. Unless this really has been a tremendous work and they have fooled (laughs) absolutely everybody. But no, ultimately, Cole got in the ring. The match literally was about to start. And MJF seemingly had committed a crime and robbed an ambulance to actually drive back to the arena. And then... Mm. Got out, did the match. His leg was heavily strapped, kind of his knee and whatnot's a bit buggered up, his quad or thigh. He got through the match. Adam Cole was there to support him. Arguably, Adam Cole nearly cost him the, the title a couple of times. Arguably. Although, he's, what, what do you do when you're on crutches and you're like, how the hell do I do this when I can't put any weight on a foot? Like trying to hit Jay White with a belt, for example. I mean, I hope, I hope Adam Cole wasn't watching Crown Jewel because, as we learned, you don't leave things by the ringside, Santos. Because that's how your buddies lose. <laughs> and it's like, oh, we, we, oh, there's the Ring of Honor title accidentally being given to JY. Oh, look, the mm. Diamond Ring's been given to JY accidentally. It's like, mm. no, Adam, stop trying to help Adam. Even though MGF wanted your help, stop trying to help Adam. Mm. It's just going to make it worse. But anyway. But it, it, and so I had another thought then. We'll come, back to, we'll come back to Adam Cole as an entity. Let's make sure we touch on that, because I think that's an interesting thing to discuss. But ultimately, MJF is able to persevere. The guns came back down as well, but they after they got ejected earlier for getting involved, they got nailed with a dynamite diamond ring, ultimately leading to MJF getting the pinfall victory on Jay White and retaining the championship. And then as the show is going to go off air, you're kind of thinking, right, what's next? What's about to happen? And we kind of linger for a while. We get a bit of a celebration. Adam Cole has to once again figure out how the heck do I get back in the ring? Like, how do I do this with my shattered foot? He does. They kind of celebrate. They start going up the ramp and you're thinking, okay, is something going to happen next? This is lingering on a bit. And then the show goes off air. <laughs> Nothing else happens. So in terms of the man in the devil mask or the person, because we don't know, to be fair, in the devil mask and the, the mystery attackers, none of that was expanded upon on this show. But it didn't matter because it concluded what was in my eyes probably one of the best pay-per-views full stop of the year as it were but the big thing is mjf has retained he's now got a bum knee which Mm. makes me wonder if we are gradually getting towards the end of mjf's title reign i will come back to that thought as well i'll park that other thought just next to the other parked thoughts Mm -hmm. i've had there but thoughts on the match itself i enjoyed the match i will say it was a fun match but there was so much this had to follow and I think because of how good the rest of the show was, by the time you got to the end, this kind of just felt like a match where, not to say it was a formality it had to happen, but it kind of gave the impression of what the heck are they going to do to top everything we've seen? 
I think it was it was a very decent it was a very decent entertainment event. There's lot there was a lot of drama. There's a lot of like near full spots that made you believe, oh no, MJF might lose the title, especially with the Adam Cole accidental interferences and all that sort of stuff. But it, I do think it was slightly overbooked to a very silly degree. I mean, okay, you have a you have an evening long storyline of oh MGF has been attacked by the guns. Is he going to be able? Is he going to be fighting fit? No. I think everyone kind of called it. Yeah, he's still fighting, even though they tried to they tried to go. Oh no, Adam Cole's going to step in to to protect the the title. Otherwise, Jay White gets it by default. All that sort of stuff. But you have it's like it's just it just feels like we've gone through a lot of weird story hoops in the evening to get to something that was going to happen anyway. It, if hmm. that makes sense, it's like it's like I guess you I, I get it. You wanted to do a little bit of drama and you wanted to build some extra intrigue to this match because the rivalry between MGF and Jay White has been very heated and very kind of very intense. So you get into that sort of you want to make sure the payoff to this is is good or or what the viewers expect. And it just I don't know. I could have. I could have possibly could have gone without the Adam Cole stepping in. I, I mean, okay, I get on one side, you're trying to continue to tell the story that they are really good close friends, setting up for something that might be an inevitable betrayal from probably Adam Cole at some point. Who knows? I don't know. Um, and seemingly just, a long way down the line as well, given where we're currently lot, at. Yeah, especially with his, in, his real injury as well. It just, yeah, it just, it just seemed like a, it didn't feel like it, it you, it's like, I, yeah. The moment the the moment Cole kind of comes up and goes, I'm going to defend it for you, all that sort of stuff. I just, it's like I know MGF's turning up a bit. I I, I know MGF's going to turn up. It's like is he going to turn up before the match or just into the match, all that sort of stuff. Who knows? I don't know. It was, yeah. I just I just think we could have just gone backstage. He could have been kind of you could have done you could have done the story differently of MGF at times kind of going, oh, I, I don't think I can defend the title tonight. I don't think I can defend the title, all that sort of stuff. And maybe it comes up to like, you have an authority figure. Obviously you get Tony Khan involved, maybe. Or something like that. So right, he's like, if you're not fighting, I'm taking the belt off you. And, it, and just when you think, oh no, MGF is kind of, kind of resigned to defeat. Maybe Adam Cole's there to kind of go, hey buddy, you fought so hard for this championship. Don't let it slip through your fingers now. And maybe that encourages MGF to get back into the ring to fight JY. That seems a bit more logical to me and a bit more thought out than just he's an ambulance, he's gone, he's back. <laughs> Let's carry on. It's <laughs> that's that's just that's just me. It was like I said, I think the main event was entertaining. I think there's a lot of good high drama spots, really good, really good entertaining. It's just I feel like we just went through too many hoops just to get to what we were going to get anyway. <laughs> that's absolutely fair. I think so to sort of. Add to that, we'll come back. This kind of links into the Adam Cole sort of portrayal, if you will, mm. on this show. But I mm. think one of, if I had a criticism of this story on the show, because I really enjoyed it, because again, I didn't expect it. I don't think anyone mm. expected Adam Cole to be there. He'd been yeah. appearing on television the past few weeks via a video phone call, which had been quite amusing and just a nice way to to keep his keep him in the brain, if you will. Don't think anyone yeah. expected him to actually be there. But I think one of the more absurd parts of the entire story on the show is the fact Adam Cole was going to represent MJF and defend the title with a shattered foot. Now, there was that element that they did say a few times on commentary of there is an ironclad contract. So literally, if the match didn't happen, Jay White gets the belt. That makes sense. But again, this is like the the one criticism I have of the match from my viewing experience. 
surely people would try and talk Adam Cole out of this. Or at least people yeah. would try and prevent him from getting to the ring. Especially when the, him and Jay White are in the ring about to have a match, air quotes. And then MJF comes out. Sorry, him and Jay White by the time match, sorry. MJF comes out. And he's literally got 12 people trying to stop him from wrestling. I think even Britt Baker put this on Twitter and went, why are they trying to stop him from wrestling? My husband's got a shattered foot. Sorry, my boyfriend's got a shattered foot. (laughs) Or something like that. Do you know what I mean? It's like, there's a slight absurd nature to it there, but it's a minor thing, but it is a little thing. There are a lot of spinning plates when it comes to MJF at the moment. Mm. He's had this whole thing with the Bullet Club for the past five, six weeks, of which... I think building up to a main event at an AEW pay-per-view for the for the better part of six weeks, I've really liked it. It's actually felt unique because we don't often get it, <laughs> quite frankly. Yeah. Or we don't get it as fleshed out as it were as this. Mm-hmm. But the other spinning plates that come to mind are obviously Samoa Joe now wanting a title shot. Wardlow mm-hmm. is just like lurking and ready to k- literally try and kill MJF at a moment's notice. Yeah, And there are a few other sort of pieces as well, sort of gradually rearing their head. There's like the whole Roderick Strong thing and what are him and the kingdom going to do because the whole best friend dynamic thing. There's a lot of spinning mm. plates going on at the moment when it comes to MJF of where they could go and what else he has to worry about. But I think the knee, in, th- this potential knee issue he's going to have now, I wonder if at this World's End pay-per-view that they've now arranged for the end of December, if this is where MJF may lose the title. Yeah, because I wonder if we're going to go down a similar route of Orange Cassidy in the international title where he just was so beat up, he ultimately Mm. just did not have the physical ability to be able to defend and retain that title at All Out earlier this year. Yeah, I wonder if it may get to a point where there's there's almost too much now for MGF to actually fend off. Yeah, I think from... A story perspective, it works, but also with a particular date coming up, it also perspectively Mm. works in case of things going completely different on January 1st, 2024. Mm. Um, Because obviously the the big bidding war per se, as MGF has always said, it's coming, it's coming up. Mm. And it's kind of like, I think the next couple of weeks and especially what happens at World's End is probably going to define what happens with MGF. It's like maybe he loses the belt at, at World's End and then during the next month, we does he we find out whether or not he stays with AW or he's yeah. tempted elsewhere, because yeah, that 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 because that's another big sort of mini mystery to be solved. It's kind of like it's like I think some people feel like he's already signed, which might make sense considering the whole double or nothing debacle, not this past year, but the year before twenty twenty two. It would have been actually, when, actually, yeah, wouldn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah when 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 there was the whole thing of when he was threatening not to show up. And so forth, like that. And there was, a, so, there was a whole Wardlow thing, which is how that is being built, but now just in the reverse roles. Which, from yeah. Wardlow's point of view, I totally get, honestly, in terms of a storyline. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. Um, but yeah, it's just, yeah, because, yeah, I think, just going back to my point, I think it's just, there's that, there's that potential notion that maybe the contract has already been signed. It's just, Mm. it's just being done for show all that sort of stuff who knows um i mean when you talk about contracts already being signed well we can talk about one when we talk about mr offspray um mm. but yeah it's just like it's going to be very interesting but i think from a storyline perspective it might make sense for mgf's reign to kind of come to an end because we've we've uh, at world's end because he's he's the longest reigning champion he's had an yeah. arguably a very good reign with the belt as well and i think if you're trying to make things a bit fresh for 2024 moving into mm. that might be worth 
Joe Wardlow, maybe Jay White gets his hands on it eventually, or the ultimate mm. betrayal by I, I keep saying there's going to be a betrayal. It might not be a betrayal, or whoever the devil is. That becomes, that's the yeah. big question, isn't it? Who is that? Was the other thing I've, I neglected to mention. Like, obviously, who is this devil? that is kind of haunting MJF at the moment. That was the other spinning plate going around at the moment. But yeah, I yeah. think the idea of Joe starting the year as champion would be freaking great, quite frankly, because mm. Samoa Joe has been awesome. Yeah. So good. Yeah. And also to, to talk about MJF's reign, you mentioned longest reign. He's also now, I believe, had the most defenses as well, which is why mm. he's sort of been defending the title quite regularly, sort of to kind of build up that win streak and such. So... Yeah. Yeah, but, but you mentioned contracts. I think that's a good time to move on to probably the second headline of the show, that being... Will Ospreay is all elite. It had been teased in the days running up to the show that AEW had come to terms with signing one of the biggest, effectively just one of the biggest and most respected wrestlers in the world. And obviously people were, were going, I think there was kind of a tempered expectation with this announcement because some people have criticized Tony Khan's recent big announcements in kind of hyping them up perhaps in not the correct way to let people's expectations not run so effing overboard, quite frankly. <laughs> yes. When you use those big, big words like important, very important announcement, it's an announcement that will change your core and then go, oh yeah, tickets to this event's on sale in December for, for, that, for that audience. Mm. Thanks, everyone. Thing, with, with, with that, <laughs> all they had to say with that one, just to sidebar for a second, was we've yeah. got some big news relating to All In at Wembley 2024. That's all they had to say. And yep. that would have just immediately set the expectation of, okay, news relating to that. Yeah. As it were. I, I think they're learning from that because they were very specific in this one in basically teasing, we have signed a big name talent. They're going to be coming in. They will sign their contract in the ring at this pay-per-view. And some of the immediate names that came to mind, I immediately thought potentially Osprey. The other name I had in my brain was maybe Mercedes Monet because mm -hmm. they were at all in and obviously we don't know their current status in terms of a physical capacity or how long they're signed with new japan but a couple of potential other names that were doing the rounds were maybe i guess now the former dolph ziggler which i'll be honest yep. much as because the whole the interesting part about the discussion that i saw was when people were saying the most res one of the most respected wrestlers i did kind of think that would fit that one to a t but in terms yeah. of the biggest name I didn't think that probably suited the former Dolph Ziggler. No disrespect to them, because they're a great wrestler. It's just in terms of cachet, I don't think currently they are at that level. But as soon as Osprey's music hit, I literally just went, yes! So I was so happy. Obviously, got it from a New Japan point of view, but one of the big things he said immediately was, I've got some bad news for you. And I thought, oh, Will, what are you going to do, mate? Like, come on. And he literally <laughs> just said, I've signed. I'm all elite but you've got to wait for a little bit. I have to finish up with New Japan. I've been with them for eight years. I have to... He basically said, I am honouring the remainder of my contract with New Japan. Everyone was like, yeah, absolutely fair. And he, he categorically I mean, said, I will be here on the road to revolution, which basically means the revolution pay-per-view is going to be so significant for AEW because it not only now is it probably going to be, one would assume, the first official contracted wrestling match with Will Ospreay as an AEW talent, probably his first match, we would assume, at Revolution. But also, it's going to be Sting's retirement, his final match. So Revolution is already shaping up to be massive, and we have no idea where it's going to be yet. 
Yeah. I mean, with the Osprey contract thing, it's kind of like a good old typical football contract. It's basically when my contract expires with this club, I'm going off to join this club. It's basically it's what- like the Bos- It's like the old Bosman ruling, as it were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's pretty much we're going, oh, once my New Japan contract's up, I'm AEW. It's- yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's effect- nice sorry, to, to, to clarify for those who don't know what the Bosman ruling is, it's effectively a pre-contract agreement, if you will. Mm. So you sign in advance to say where you're going to. Yes. Wouldn't it be fun if that's how most wrestling contracts are dealt with nowadays? Oh, well, it, wouldn't <laughs> it be? Wouldn't it be? <laughs> wouldn't it be? Wouldn't it be? Because then you can have like a Sky Sports transfer day thing with all the wrestling correspondence and all that sort of stuff. And can there's you imagine no crazy- a wrestling equivalent of transfer deadline day? It would be <laughs> awful. <laughs> It would be awful. <laughs> so I've just I've I've just heard that Josh Alexander is just he's been signed to AEW from Impact Wrestling for a deal left two million pounds or something. Like that. Let's go to a report outside Impact Zone. What do you think's happening? What's actually TNA? Well, good riddance. Fine, moving on. outside the Impact Zone. For some reason, they still thought it was at Universal Studios in Orlando. Just <laughs> a roller coaster behind them. <laughs> yes, I'm. Um, wasn't trying to be mean on Impact TNA stuff. It's no, no, hey, look, it's actually well quite hyped. exciting as well. So I am well hyped they're turning back to TNA, and we might talk about that in the separate video. So I'm, yeah. I watch Bound for Glory, quick sidebar, great show, like really, really good. TNA slash formerly nearly Impact. That didn't make sense, but you know what I mean. TNA going forward, they're they're in a really good place, and it would be cool to talk about them more. So we'll, we'll park that one for perhaps another podcast at some point. Yes. But yeah, the idea yes. of transfer deadline day in a wrestling point of view <laughs> is absurd, but I'm very morbidly curious. That's a contract swapping. Contract swapping. <laughs> you could say, WWE say, oh, we want, we want this wrestler from AEW. And AEW, can we have this one? All right, fine. Contract, contract. Fine, fine. But of course, in the world of wrestling, it's never this fucking civil, is it? <laughs> if, okay, here's a hit. This is dumb what I'm going to say. If there was a transfer <laughs> deadline day this year, this is how Cody would come back to AEW. <laughs> I've got breaking news. He's turned He's turned back up to, to Jacksonville. It's Cody. He's coming through the door. He's signing. He's got to He's going to have a medical first. Hopefully the peck is still on, but he's going to sign. The, the peck is still on. <laughs> the peck is still on. <laughs> oh, that's great but, um, Nigel back to Sky Sports Wrestling Transfer Centre with you oh my word but, but yeah but Osprey being all elite though is fantastic I think next year is going to be so much fun just with the addition of Osprey and he was he mm. was incredibly 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 Will Osprey-ish in what he said on the pay-per-view <laughs> as, at the time of recording last night. He said the way he said things was so British, I genuinely thought there's a lot of people who probably have no idea what he just said. <laughs> so oh, well. I think it I think it'll be interesting to see how Osprey as as a person conducts himself in a public speaking setting over like the next year. I feel we're gonna see quite mm. an evolution of how he kind of puts things across. Cause he, he's still going to be him, but I can imagine the way he will put things across. He may think about words he says. And we also, uh, if there is not a bruv t-shirt on shop AEW already, I'll be very disappointed. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think it's a no brainer signing. He's been doing stuff at all, all elite for a couple of years, for at least a year and a bit now in like one-off matches here, there and everywhere. Um, so I don't think there was any question where he was going when this contract with New Japan came up, to be perfectly honest. Um, my only my only thing is really, 
you you've got him you've got you've got one of the biggest wrestlers in the world right now use him properly that's the that's the yeah. general thing it's like as much as it's exciting to see someone coming to AEW or to wwe the, the bottom line is use them properly mm-hmm. and it's just like if 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 we can do that with will osprey i think it's a it's a it's a great sort of thing but with like it's just air on the side of caution a little bit it's like hopefully hopefully things will work i mean i'm gonna call this out as a very early prediction i would not be surprised if will osprey wins the aw world championship at all in it's like that just that just it just seems like if if that's if you're going to make a big big name for him there makes perfect sense but anyway the fact that they mentioned it not only when he was in well he mentioned it like we're going to be i'm going to be all elite at all in at wembley stadium the fact you Mm. said that just under a year before the event and also conveniently just before tickets go on sale as well it feels like he is probably going to be near the top of that show and they've got nearly yeah. a year to build his character up to the AEW audience, to evolve him, as it were, however they see fit. And it's actually something Jericho mentioned during the media scrum from what I've seen of it, is he thinks, he mentioned that Will Ospreay, just as a as like a presence, is so unique. He, he himself is such a unique character. And getting to do more of that character work is just something that's not really possible in New Japan, just partly mm-hmm. because of the language barrier, but it's just it's not really what New Japan is about as it were, it's yeah. more focused on the wrestling. So I am really looking forward to seeing how, how Osprey as an overall character and entity just develops over the next year once he's officially joined. Mm-hmm. The other interesting part, we are mentioning New Japan in passing there, and this actually links into that a bit. So the Continental Classic was announced a few weeks ago with Brian Danielson with barely an eye somehow being able to, to wrestle in it. And it's effectively, from what we can gather, going to be... The, the AEW equivalent of the G1 tournament that New Japan run, where it's a round-robin mm. block, you get points for a win, a draw, none for a loss. And it's going to run with 12 wrestlers leading up to this World's End pay-per-view. And apparently now, the latest addition, well, we know, the latest addition to that tournament, as well as Danielson and Andrade, is now Eddie Kingston. And he said he is going to put up both of his Ring of Honor and New Japan t- strong open weight championships on the line in this tournament and then he kind of casually mentioned sort of like it was then kind of put across as like a triple crown by the commentary and then it like they just casually mentioned the continental championship amongst all of this of which i'm thinking wait what <laughs> and it was kind of like just a massive <laughs> it was like a ma- it was like someone wrote a sentence on like a word document and they just happened to just accidentally hit the tab button three or four times where there should have been more words and it was the giant space left and it's come out after the fact that basically they are this tournament will unify the roh title the new japan strong open weight title and seemingly a newly created aew continental championship and it's a championship which is effectively the champion it is a champion of AEW, New Japan, and Ring of Honor simultaneously. So it's it's about defended in all three promotions, which I think is a really cool idea. So effectively, that prom- he they, that person is the is that champion for each promotion, as it were. I think it's a really cool idea. Um, I think it's a good idea. It's 
guess it's a scene in practicality, really, because it's like it's literally it's all it's all it's all easy to say. Oh yeah, this person's gonna have the belt that's gonna be defended here, here, and there. But then it's like, what if it's given to someone who's only solely on AEW show? It's like because mm. we have because we have seen people with other company belts just doing doing defenses on a different show and not really there. Case in yep. point, Ring of Honor titles. <laughs> just saying, like the tag team belts and all that sort of stuff. So it's like. I think it. I think if you're using this as like maybe a launching pad for new talent or something like that, yeah, it works very. It probably work very mm. well. You've got to obviously get a couple of the veterans in, one of the the steady hands of the ship. So Kingston Andrade. Oh yeah, and uh, on the show, Mark Briscoe was announced for it as well. So we've, we yeah, know four. Yeah, he's still announced. Well. Good shout. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which honestly, Mark Briscoe being involved is going to be such good fun. He's mm. just such a fun wrestler in general. But um, yeah, I've actually just got onto a quick little Wikipedia page as, as we record us just to double check. Yeah, no one else has been annou- announced yet, but this is mm. going to be really good fun. And one would assume, as you've just allude- alluded to it, if this is going to be partly a New Japan thing as well, one would assume there must be a couple of, at least a couple of New Japan talent who would be coming in for this. That said, I think they have currently got their world tag league going on. So I'll be interested to mm. see what talent that may or may not impact but that's a, that's a sidebar but as a concept though i'm really looking forward to this i think it's gonna be something unique they've also said when it comes to the rules of the matches other people are barred from ringside so this is literally going to be wrestling and i'm excited mm. for this i'm excited for the wrestling because as well i think they they because they said obviously it comes to a whole conclusion at world's end so maybe world's end is semi-finals and final so it's like a, a um, tournament throughout the evening? Let's have a look. Let me read this out. So the Continental Classic was announced on the 11th of November on Collision by Tony Khan. Matches mm-hmm. will be held on Dynamite, Rampage, and Collision, with the semifinals, mm-hmm. promoted as the League Finals, being held on the on the, the December 27th edition of Dynamite in Orlando. And mm-hmm. then the and then the, the championship final being at World's End. So that leads me to think then, if there's going to be twelve wrestlers in this, it is a, it is going to be gr- two groups of six people. So that's how that will work out. Yeah, and top top two go through to semi finals. Yeah. yeah. See, I'm really looking forward to this. I think it should be should be good fun. Hmm. But now I think we should turn our attention to to more of a full gear itself because we've talked about a couple of things, but there is a lot more that needs to be talked about. So the show opened up with the six-man tag match of the Patriarchy, which is Christian Cage, Luchasaurus, and Nick Wayne, in a, in a losing mm-hmm. effort to Adam Copeland, Sting, and Darby Allen, of which Adam Copeland had seemingly got some jackets made for his tag partners, and they looked incredible wearing them. It was so mm-hmm. cool. And this was a really fun match to, to kick off the show. How Darby Allen is still alive, I still question. He is not human. That 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 man clearly died on the apron. I'm sorry. After Luchasaurus threw him, it's like that that man is dead. This man is dead. Oh, he's walking. Oh, good. He's undead now. Did you also hear on commentary how they just casually mentioned, "Oh yeah, after this match, he's getting on a plane to go climb Mount Everest." Oh, perfect. Just what you want. Just what you want before you go off to Mount Everest to be literally murdered on the hardest part of the ring. Uh, have you seen the Russell Dream pay per view? I've seen snippets of it, but I haven't seen. Have you seen I, the I, I clip don't... of Christian throwing Darby Allen into the steps? I haven't. No, I have to go and look at this. 
if you want to see, you might have to look this up as we're recording because I want your live reaction. But if you want to see what lo- almost looks like a literal murder, watch this clip. You need to find it, honestly. I will say as well, this was just really good fun. And after the match as well, Darby got on the microphone. And because everyone was giving Sting like, oh, you know, Sting, yeah, it was really good to see you. And Darby basically got on the microphone and went, no, 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 LA. What the F are you doing? Give this man the ovation he deserves. This is his last match in California. And then the crowd really got into it and fully appreciated it. I've just seen the gif. Yeah, he he died again. If Darby was a cat, how many lives has he had at this point? <laughs> Too many. <laughs> Too many. Uh, but, uh, but like I say, really fun match to start the show, though. And it's, it's got a good vibe going throughout the event as well, I think. Mm-hmm. Next up, it was for the international title. The rematch from All Out. It was Orange Cassidy defeating John Moxley. He was basically like a zombie, quite frankly. He's just like the zombie that won't just won't stay down. And Orange mm-hmm. just had to overcome that. Except this time we kind of had like a full powered Orange Cassidy as opposed to broken, beaten, scarred Orange Cassidy. And I would say this was a good match. It told a great story. If you're comparing it to the all-out match, I don't think you can compare the two because the all-out match was such a time and place and after everything that had built up. And this very mm-hmm. much kind of felt like a real, a really significant bit of character development for Orange Cassidy as well, because he openly admitted when he won the title back from Ray Phoenix, who was injured, which is why he got it back, that um, that since he won it back, it felt like something was missing, and that missing piece of the puzzle was the fact he hadn't beaten John Moxley. So this was a way to mm-hmm. do that, and it wouldn't surprise me if down the line we get another match between the two. I really, really enjoyed this. It took like six or seven orange punches. For him to actually get the win. Because again, Moxie was like a zombie. Moxie's a great zombie, don't you know, people? He just keeps coming mm. at you. Even with what appeared to be like a hole in his head where he was just spurting <laughs> blood. We'll come back to the blood thing because there's a lot more to discuss about that later in the show. But Moxie yeah. just literally had what looked to be like a chasm in his head, just spurting out blood. Well, he had a plaster when he came out to the ring entrance. It's like, oh no, the plaster's there. He's going to be bleeding. Oh, wait, he's bleeding. <laughs> Well, that's hardly surprising. But yeah, no, no, it was it, the match itself is essentially it's obviously Orange Cassidy getting that defining win over John Moxley, and obviously you you get the you get the slight sort of moments of oh, is he just going to do his do his like relax whatever time? Because there's a bit where he's doing like the 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 very soft kicks, but within like two or three kicks, he's really going for the kicks on Moxley, kind of, and you're just seeing he's kind of he's kind of uh, kind of ripping off that sort of relaxed whatever demeanor because it's like no I, this is a serious fight i want to i want to beat this man um obviously the ring buckle helped a little bit as well because that's mm-hmm. it's like i think moxie went into that head first and then it then came all the orange punches and all that sort of stuff um no it was a good it was a good match it's just yeah it's a bit of like a, it felt like a full throttle match at times it got there mm-hmm. it got there it's, yeah it was good i mean it's it's the typical john moxley-esque match you expect blood there's blood and orange yeah. cassidy doing what he does best so they're they're, they're kind of like the some of the mvps for aw these two so put them together in a match. oh 100 percent agree you, you you can't go wrong with it mm. and in terms of character development for orange cassidy i love since he's got the title back he's got a bit of a mean streak in him now and mm-hmm. that really came to the forefront in this because he used to do his just little oh kicks like his little lazy kicks and now he does like yeah. a lazy one it's a little bit harder and a bit harder 
and harder and harder and harder until he's just outright punting someone. Uh, it's the little things that we're seeing, and it's just it's really, really good to see how they, they are still developing Orange Cassidy just as an overall presence. Uh, I, I'm looking forward to seeing where this is going to go next. And also, I believe as well, the reason Hook was out with him was because he he used the red rum at one point, like the old Taz mission finisher, if you will, mm-hmm. to try and choke down Moxley. So the fact he's kind of expanded his best friend pool as well, it's nice to see that the hook thing is still carrying on. Yeah. Next up, AEW Women's World Title Match. It was Hikaru Shida defending against Timeless Tony Storm. Now, first question I want to ask you, Ian, is have you seen Timeless Tony Storm before? Have you seen this presentation yes. of Tony Storm? Yes, I've seen I've seen the memes, I've seen the clips, I've seen the shoes being thrown. It's it's great. It's been entertaining. It's been entertaining. We're going down the full Sunset Boulevard edition yeah. of Tony Storm, and I'm really I'm I'm enjoying it as a film fan. You just kind of go, oh, they're having fun with this. The whole black yeah. and white entrance, the whole sort of I've got a copy of the script of the match. Rip. I'm going off script. All that sort of stuff. <laughs> it was it. I think this is. I think this is probably the most entertaining I've seen Tony Storm as a wrestler. And, it, and it, the gimmick just works. The gimmick just works very, very well yeah. for her. And she's embracing it as well, which is great yeah. to see. And Luther being the butler now is just, it's such <laughs> a random curveball. And you're like, yeah, this works. It just works. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. So ultimately, Tony Storm did become the champion. She did it via, I haven't exactly figured out what it was. But it was, she kind of, Luther was... brought out like a, a plate with a couple of shoes and some jewelry on it, or had a tray with a couple of shoes, and then there was like a plate with some jewelry on it. I'm going to it... say it was just a plate because I still don't really know what it was. I think it, but... it might have been like a jewelry tray of some description, a yeah. metal one, which was attempted to be added into the hip thrust attack. But occasionally, times it was clearly about to fall out at times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I mean, it, it, went, it went below her, below her wrestling gear line and was in her tights, is the way I sum it up. Because I mean, there's there's a moment just before she does hit the final like hip thrust thing that makes mm-hmm. that allows her to win the belt. Just kind of oh, stop, readjust. It's like I'm doing a second take, darlings. I'm doing a second yeah. take and then charging. <laughs> I think I think if that was just like an ab lived moment. That was really fun. It's like it hang on, really hang on. I can fun. do this with I can do this with feeling. <laughs> I do feel a bit gutted for Hikaru Shida a little bit though because she sort Mm. of again has had the belt for like a little bit of time and is not championing it because I really like Hikaru Shida but I'm sure Shida will get another opportunity to be a champion again but right now Mm. the momentum is with Tony Storm so I totally understand this occurring and this just worked really really well and everyone's into Tony Storm as a character. It, again, like you said, it's playing on film stuff. The whole, it's the ho- Hollywood homecoming of Tony Storm thing they were playing up. It, all the signs mm. just pointed to, yep, know exactly what's going to happen here. We just need to see how the story is going to play out. And it worked really well. Yeah. Even with the even with the victory, it's all done like in the a crazy lavish 30s Hollywood film. It's like she's just laying flat on her back on the, on the ring matches with the belt, just kind of looking in shock and in awe. And it's like... Am I a star? Is it me? I've won this. <laughs> How can it be? You've you've got flowers from. Is, is it Maria? The new uh, the Mariah new, May is their name. Mariah, thank you. Mariah May is coming down with the flowers. Like here's your flowers, Tony. You've won. It's like oh, carry me away, Lufa. <laughs> 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 it's just. It's just 
it's just it works it's silly it works even like nigel mcginnis was getting swept it's it's like oh this is it's wonderful it brings tears to the eyes (laughs) he's just proper hamming it up it's great and then up in this excalibur and talus is going all right fine whatever (laughs) (laughs) you can tell there's probably a point when taz is thinking the heck am i doing because there's Taz like going like oh you know get the suplex you've got to get below the hips and then when you thrust the hips up he's all about technique and then he's got to talk about this as a character it's just such a dichotomy <laughs> uh, where's RJ City when you need him to really kind of add even more lavishness to it I mean to be fair he's been involved in some of the Tony Storm stuff like he, he's yeah. like been like he's been the producer role a little bit mm. so kind of producing her films <laughs> and such and and on this show mm. he was doing the pre-show and uh, and not being and not being cursed out by Eddie Kingston after his match on the pre-show, which is a mm. refreshing change for him. He said. But talking about dichotomies, the next match, the ladder match for the AEW Tag Team Titles, it was the champions Ricky Starks and Big Bill defending against FTR, the Kings of the Black Throne, Malachi Black and Brody King, and then La Faction Ingobernable, which was Roosh and Drillistico. Mm-hmm. This match was nuts. You kind of wondered <laughs> how far will they go with this, is how I'll describe it. I think this is one of the most enjoyable ladder matches I've seen because there's so much stuff they did, which looked like, quite frankly, it sucked to be the guy taking the move. But it didn't mm-hmm. feel like it was so bad to where you're like, what the F are you doing that for? Like you actually felt it was too dangerous, if that makes sense. There were a few things that were yeah. still absurd, but I just really, really enjoyed this match. It was a fantastic ladder match, ultimately ending with, I believe it was Ricky Starks and maybe Dax. Let me just quickly check a note I have here. It was Ricky Starks either way on the top of the ladder and him and someone else got pushed off, as it were, or were going to fall down from punches. But Big Bill was behind the ladder where Ricky Starks was, caught him, then pushed him back up which was a thing they were playing up, that they've got the big guy with them. And Ricky Starks went up, grabbed the belts, and they won the match. There's far too much to recap in terms of what happened here. I will say, I thought that every person in this match looked like a million bucks. I think everyone mm-hmm. came off incredibly well. In particular, I think Drillistico had an outstanding performance in this match. I think he really, really shined, which I'm not sure if you're aware about Drillistico because... Now, I might get this wrong. I might have to correct myself in a future video, but he is basically the original Mystico in Mexico Hmm. who then became Sin Cara in WWE. So the original Sin Cara, because I know there's more than one Sin Cara. Exactly. There's also now been more than one Mystico as well. I think that's how that works out. I may have that incorrect, but either way, a fantastic wrestler, quite frankly. And I think he really finally got a chance to shine in an environment that lent itself well to the kind of chaotic nature and big moments and such. But overall, mm. I thought this was fantastic. I love this match. Good, frenetic match. Big moves. Everyone seemed to want to do something with that big ladder near the commentary box by, by the end of it. Because you had, you had Brody, Brody King did did a move through it and kind of took out, I think, Jalisco at that point. He did like and a then, Gonzo bomb, didn't he? Just like a sit-down pile then, driver. Yeah, and then and then uh, and then Cash Wheeler's going, no, 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 put 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 put, put Brody on there. I'm going to do this jump thing on him. <laughs> it's like I think they were trying desperately to break the ladder, and it didn't break the ladder. But mm. then a lot of people were busted open by the end of this match anyway. It's just like 
It's like a lot of wince-inducing stuff. I mean, yeah. it's not the most wince-inducing stuff on this show, <laughs> and we'll get to that. <laughs> um, but no, it, it's 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 basically with with a tag team ladder match, you get your ladder spots, you have your big moments, and, and this match has it all. So it's 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 very entertaining. We've got Starks and Big Bill continuing on. Interesting pairing. I think they work very well together. And it's just yeah, I think this will be I think this will be exciting. Next up, we had the TBS title match. It was Sky Blue and Julia Hart challenging Chris Statlander in a three-way match. I really liked how this match went. And Chris Statlander as a champion, I really enjoyed. I think all of her matches have been really, really good fun. There was a part of me that I was very much leaning towards a bit of a change, though. Not because I don't like Chris Statlander, just because Julia Hart has had such kind of like a bit of a of momentum from a character point of view in particular and just such a fun unique character with the whole house of black side of things and then sky mm. blue's been going through this evolution as well of which had new music debut as well which kind of has very much more of a metal vibe to it rather than just like her plucky go lucky i'm from outer space music type thing oh shucks i'm good to be here <laughs> and ult- ultimately it came down to Statlander hitting her Saturday Night Fever style pile driver on Sky Blue, and then Julia mm-hmm. Hart getting in, basically getting Statlander out the ring, and then effectively stealing the pin from Chris Statlander on Sky Blue to become the youngest ever champion in AEW. And mm-hmm. just a really, really cool moment. Everyone was super happy when it happened. Not to say, again, Statlander didn't deserve to be champion because she's been great. It's just, again, we were mentioning it with MJF earlier, kind of feels like there's almost the right time to change things up a little bit. And this very much felt like the time to shake things up in the TBS women's division side of things. Yeah, I think the I think one of the I think one of the one of the benefits of no longer having the very long reign that say Jade Cargill had throughout most of this year is basically you have the opportunity to to highlight more women in this division. And mm-hmm. yeah, passing the belt. A couple. I mean, you've seen it with the women's title at the moment, but passing the title around between between building budding talents like Julia Hart, maybe onto Sky Blue at some point, and then back to Satlander later on. It, it, nothing's wrong. Nothing's nothing's overtly bad of this. I think Satlander will be able to rebuild quite quickly as a as a baby face to go after the title again. So it's like, no, it's 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 just keeping things developing and that's a good that's a good thing it's rather than just having a title change for the sake of a title change at least behind the two title changes we've seen here with the tbs and with the women's championship you can see there are things being developed a bit more with the characters who are taking the belts so that that can only be a good thing for the women's division in AEW. completely agree it was at this point in the show when it was announced that will osprey is all elite Mm -hmm. then this led to the Texas death match. Hangman Adam Page against Swerve Strickland. The way to sum this up, from my point of view, is this is one of the most violent matches I have ever seen in my life. I was absolutely captivated by it. This was utterly batshit crazy. This was a phenomenal spectacle. It added to the story between the two that they have been building up so well. I winced so many times. I have so many questions about about Hangman Page's mental state 
at times in this. But this was utterly, utterly nuts. I don't think we could do it justice trying to describe exactly a lot of the stuff that happened. It was utter, utter carnage. So, so, so much blood. If they had a, they had, a, they had like a bird's eye view of the of the ring canvas at one point. I think Taz, I think Taz has caliber. She said, "It looks like a crime's happened here." <laughs> Just, it was insane. But the thing is, though, for obscene of a match as it was in many ways, I utterly loved it. And Swerve Strickland ultimately got the win because he. He shattered like a, a cement block on the back of Hangman Page, which is mm-hmm. something we had seen a while ago with the whole Keith Lee thing when that feud was still going. It may still yeah. technically be going on in some alternate timeline. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, Hangman was able to get up and then Swerve grabbed an incredibly long chain, swung it over the top of the ring post, wrapped it around Hangman's neck and basically choked him out so Hangman couldn't answer the count of 10. Because in a Texas death match, it's effectively knockout or submission to be able to get the victory. This has done so much for Swerve, this match. It's put him, it's elevated him to a whole new place. It wouldn't even surprise me, actually, come to think of it, if he ends up challenging MJF for the title next, because this match was incredible. Mm. It's it's barbaric, but also compelling, is the best way. Especially when you start... Especially when you start off with, you know, just a staple gun. Just, 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 just casually stapling things to swerve, including pictures and and pieces of paper. And then, you know what, we'll just put more staples into them anyway, just for the hell of it. Um, if I may ask, like, were you, are you, uh, how much of AEW have you seen recently? Because I could probably fill in the, the blanks a little bit of that if you want. I, I know, I know the basics of the feud between, between them, obviously swerve, obviously kind of, targeted his family or hangman's family or just kind of yeah. threatened to get them involved in some way which yeah. obviously hangman does not take very kindly to that um yeah he, he broke so- into hangman's house and basically creeped in under cover of darkness and then went into the room where his baby was sleeping and basically cut a promo on the baby <laughs> but part of that and this is what i was going to get to when he kind of then random when Hangman randomly pulled out like the yellow bit of paper that had like some painting on it, yeah, that was a painting <laughs> his kid had done, which Swerve had basically roasted him. Went but basically said, "Well, that's shit." When he broke in and like saw it on the fridge, so that was like mm. a nice little payoff to that little mm. moment when he broke in the house. But sorry, I, I interrupted. Yeah. Please continue. Yeah, so we we, we had the staples, and then within like three or four minutes of this match, Paige is literally drinking blood. There is no other way to describe that. Or or mouthwashing blood. Literal blood. Oh, that sounds worse. (laughs) Who else can say he laid under Strickland's face as it was bleeding, blood in mouth, and then he did a Triple H hoof as he got up. It's it's like, that's just bad shit. (laughs) Which, you know what I will say, though? As bad shit as it was, I immediately thought, holy crap, this Hangman character has just evolved by, like, plus 10. Because that <laughs> moment, you can't you can't just manufacture something like that. Yeah. Like, you can't just do it and suddenly... Uh, it's hard to articulate, but there are things you can plan for. Like, again, like I said, how much this match as a whole has elevated mm. Swerve as an overall entity in AEW. But that mm. moment of Hangman drinking the blood and spitting out like Triple H... That has also just elevated the Hangman character as a whole. Just that mm. moment. That was the equivalent 
of seeing cowboy shit again from like, like yonks ago and like when he was doing the stuff with moxley earlier this year yeah yeah i mean the commentary kept bigging up the big thing of the texas death match is adam page's domain you basically yeah. you up against never adam lost page, one you don't yeah if you go up against page you're likely losing so obviously the magnitude of swerve winning here obviously undercut and it's not undercuts a kind of underlines obviously the the magnitude of the victory and especially when it's a similar way of how page beat uh moxley at revolution earlier this year as well in the um in the death match yeah in the in their in their little death match fun yeah um but the, the one oh. with bricks to the fingers Bricks to fingers. It's like, who brings bricks? Who brings cinder blocks? Who brings bags of shards of glass to a wrestling match, Jeremy? Oh, oh freaking it. Swerve doing a 450 splash onto <laughs> Hangman when he's got shards of glass on him. It's like, what the hell? It's like, wait a minute. Let me just be, yep, yep. Yeah, that seems fine. That'd be fine. Surely it's going to be, <laughs> this is going to be fine. This is safe. Oh, God, no. Uh, I mean, utterly, it may, it, utterly crazy. It made it made even like the earlier bits with the barbed wire chair. It's like, all right, like this is normal. I mean, there's oh, there's the bit where Hangman got his hair caught in the barbed wire of the chair. No, it oh, wasn't God. his hair. It wasn't his hair. The, what was it? the camera angle they showed made it look like his hair got caught. What there, there is a, I see a great photo. It's incredibly graphic. There is an mm. official photo doing the rounds of that a piece of the barbed wire around the chair got dislodged and it just wrapped around his face and that's Ow. what it was so when he pulled it back literally he just got his head yanked back ow oh it was ow. utterly mental it is it is literally the equivalent of i shouldn't be watching this but i am <laughs> yeah 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 i think i think for those who are not being like the biggest fans of like the death match stipulation this probably isn't the match for you but i think if but i think in the context of the storytelling and because they, they've had death matches before in AEW, they've had like a, like lights out matches where things are just taken to like ridiculous levels i think it's like we had the moxley um the moxley omega match like in the very yeah. i think it, maybe at the very first yeah. full gear all that sort of stuff um and that's just kind of like Speed, oh we're just stampede anarchy in the arenas yeah. all that type of stuff yeah you're just kind of you're just kind of doing you're doing crazy shit just for the just for the the sudden response from the crowd whereas here it feels like the the barbar the bar the barbaric actions and all of that makes sense from a few point of view it makes sense from a character point of view it works it's not like it's not easy to watch but it works. Also, shout out to Prince Nana. Oh yes, because of his his wonderful dance on the ring apron before he got utterly obliterated <laughs> by Hangman Page. Oh dear. Oh, also speaking of the dance, I loved Swerve's entrance with the whole like the four dancers and and Nana being there, and then the way they had the camera lined up, and they just revealed Swerve. It was so good, just mm. wah, chef's kiss. Yeah, it was it was very surprising that when it, that Hangman just turned up out of nowhere just to start the match, I was like, "Oh, look, there's Hangman." I mean, it's obviously mm. you can tell it's a bad blood feud when you're not coming out to your good old fashioned cowboy music. Exactly right. Didn't even hear it on this show once as well. Maybe, maybe you should have come out like on a horse, get like a robot, a, ro a robot. <laughs> the horse, horse would have just galloped off. No, 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 <laughs> no, no, not 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 an actual <laughs> horse. But you know, you could make like make like a metallic horse skeleton. 
like a ro like a thing, like a robot thing, come out of fire, like like a heavy metal rock version of his like like his theme, and it's like, oh no, it's the Dark Hangman. Run! Do you basically want like a you want like the the, the 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 Dark Hangman page equivalent, basically? Yes, he comes out, fires fires coming out. He's got that evil look. He's got the staple gun in his hand, ready to go. No, and it's like, ah, oh, shit's going down, son. They make good use of that staple gun. I'll tell you. Oh yes, hopefully they. Hopefully, uh, I want it. Oh god, there's there, there are videos of of Swerve having the staples removed, which is not pretty. I will probably not watch that. No. That said, though, but do, there is a but, promo that he did yes. backstage. Which is utterly phenomenal. Mm. Absolutely. I think. I, have you seen that promo? Yeah, yeah. I was gonna. I was just about to reference that. So. Yeah, because he basically, obviously, mentioned what he mentions, but the key detail, which may be the next evolution of the character, is he mm. didn't just say this was Swerve's house. He said this was Swerve's dungeon. Oh dear! Just such a good line. Oh my word! Mm. And he's all, so he also. So then you wonder. Oh God, sorry. Because he also in the promo talks about he's not he's not just going to hang hangman he's going to hang other people and it's yeah. like oh no what if that becomes his like his mo of getting the chain and just literally hanging people off ring posts mm. and stuff like that it's like oh no we've we, swerve's gone to a place that that's dangerous for a lot of people and yeah, it, I feel it, like it, 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 he he's he's I think he is I mean I, I watched him in NXT and stuff like that before obviously he was releasing it and he went over to AEW. It's like, I think this is the most exciting and captivating he's been. And, it, and, and that can only mean great things coming up. 100% agree. And the possibilities are endless for where this could go next. And mm. that's why I mentioned it wouldn't surprise me if he goes for the title next because the momentum he is on right now. Obviously, Joe's got a title shot. But it just feels like you can't hold off Swerve for a while. As it were, you got to sort of strike while the iron's hot. But then mm. after that barbaric display of blood and whatnot, you wonder what the heck is going to follow next. Then you remember, there's just a straight-up tag team match. <laughs> mm. With the Golden Jets, Chris Jericho and Kenny Omega, against the Young Bucks, Matt and Nick Jackson. I think it's fair to say that everyone in the building had to take more than a couple of minutes to kind of get over what they just saw because they there did. were it took a while to build things back up mm. but this match told a, a fun story in the context of the very short story they have built with it which is kenny and jericho are in sort of a new team as it were but the elite's mm -hmm. kind of been a bit on the rocks because the bucks are like why the hell are you hanging out with jericho did you do you not remember what he did to our dad quite a while ago when we had a big feud with them i like make him bleed and whatnot i don't remember exactly what happened but it was notable and so that's kind of built up a little thing kind of like friendly competition between the bucks and kenny but a bit deeper rooted when it comes to jericho mm -hmm. and in this match it started off kind of you know friendly wrestling match between the bucks and kenny then things started getting a little bit more heated because the bucks were getting you know not all of the upper hand until this just escalated to where the bucks basically just went sod it and just did whatever the hell they had to do to try and start getting the upper hand, including, mm -hmm. which played into the match quite brilliantly, Jericho getting his arm wedged behind the steps and one of the Bucks kicking it a few times by the ring post, which ended up slicing up his arm quite a bit. And I think he said in the post-match, uh, the, the post-show media scrum, he had to get like 10 or 12 stitches in his arm. Yeah. 
And that played into the story of the match because Jericho couldn't do the Judas effect properly. And there were other moves that each other team was trying to do. For example, Nick Jackson hit a tremendous Judas effect. Quite frankly, mm. it looked freaking great. I think one of the, the Bucks hit the one-winged angel on Kenny as well, if I remember correctly. There were lots yep. of different things that they did. But ultimately, what it came down to, and we also had Don Callis on commentary as well, actually, was another note I had, who added some great little great little one-liners into it. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, it came down to the fact that Kenny and Jericho got the win. And it was Omega hitting a V-trigger and then the one-winged angel on Matt to get the pin that did it. The significance of this not only being that, once again, Kenny Omega and partner have beaten the Bucks, which is kind of an ongoing thing when you think back to him and Hangman Page, him and Ibushi and stuff like that from years gone by. But also now, the Bucks had a guaranteed tag team title match that they won in a four-way match. And they now don't have that because the Golden Jets have it. Mm. Then after the match, got a bit of a temper tantrum from the Bucks. A, li- a little bit. A little bit. They were <laughs> they were throwing things everywhere. <laughs> they, were, they, were, they were ripping off things that Ken Jong from Community was a bit appalled at it as well. <laughs> I think at one point one of the Bucks like took his shoe off and threw it towards the desk and it hit Excalibur in the face. <laughs> Like, there was a lot going on. I think one of the Bucks threw their shoes into the crowd. The ring area was being dismantled. The table was getting a bit dismantled as well. And this this um, this temper tantrum, mm. and I can't remember who I, what post I saw, but as soon as I saw the two screenshots, I immediately remembered. Back in WCW, circa 1997, when Chris Jericho at the time was still a bit of a plucky baby face, like, yeah, come mm. on. And then he started turning heel. And he started having temper tantrums. He would take a chair and smack it against the ring post a lot. They're kind of turning the same way Jericho did in WCW, mm. which is, it's one of those things like if you know or you remember it, you know. It's a little thing, but I reckon this is going to escalate quite a bit because where Jericho's character went in WCW, just being so full of himself, he is the best. That's also like the original incarnation of the list as well, is what that ultimately led to as well. Mm-hmm. There's so many things and directions they could go. This is not the last of this. And obviously, in the ring, Omega's like, oh, we had a good match, guys. Shake my hand, because they did a little fist bump and stuff beforehand. But ultimately, the Bucks were like, no, I'm not going to shake your hand after that. Are you kidding? And Omega's there kind of going, guys, do you have to have a tantrum like this in public? Please stop this. Mm. Oh, you're still carrying on after five minutes? All right, sure. Um, all right, cool. <laughs> and there's Jericho there going, ah, scrub. Let's <laughs> just kind of just sat there. Someone says, so, so Jericho, what's what's up for you after this? I've got another Fuzzy concert. Oh, cool. Cool. What about you, Kenny? <laughs> um, I might play the new Yakuza game. Ah, okay. We did a match all about that last week, didn't we? We did. It was good fun. It was good fun. Have they finished yet? Nope. Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll keep chatting. We'll keep chatting. No worries, no worries. It's not like this pay-per-view is going to need to go over four hours or anything. I don't know. <laughs> but, um, but I, I really enjoyed the match. It did take a while to get going because of yeah. the brutality we had seen, though. But I did enjoy the match. Yeah, it's I, it's a good, good, solid, reliable tag match. Obviously, if you put Young Bucks in with a combination of the Elite or with some of the the, the bigger players, you are going to get a very good tag match out of it. Um, I think you're right. I don't think this is. I don't think this is over. I think Young Bucks will probably cost them their title shot on yeah. when it comes to it because 
they're very annoyed and they're clearly going heel. So, mm-hmm. yes. Yeah, good, 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 good sort of match. It was a nice sort of, nice sort of way to ease us into like the main event match, which we've already talked about. Indeed, yes. And then that's what led to the main event. And that, everyone, was AEW Full Gear. Mm. I'll be straight up about it, Ian. Big thumbs up from me. Really, really enjoyed the show. Yeah, I think really, really good entertaining show. Like, like I said, I don't think there's anything on this card that was out of place, was was rubbish or anything like that. I think you've got some very solid wrestling. You've got some standout things like the Texas Death Match. You've got some really cool character developments in, in the women's division with Tony Storm and with Julia Hart. And uh, yeah, just, despite despite the fact the MGF thing was over overbooked to Kingdom Come, I mean, it's like not to a not to a Roman Reigns level at the moment. So I think we're okay there at the moment. <laughs> not to not to Roman Reigns overbooking level. But despite the fact it was a little bit over overbooked silliness, it was still a very good main event. And yeah, it, it, generally generally a, a good show. I think AEW have definitely got back onto, I think the right track uh, after uh, after after I think that because I watched all, yeah because I went to all in yeah I think generally their their pay per views have, have been good after I think the, the the rocky year of last year I think this one's I think this year has been better, considerably better for them yeah all out had a lot of eyeballs on it for reasons beyond pretty much everyone's control. Yeah. Yeah. But it turned out to be a phenomenal show. And Wrestle Dream was such a unique idea for a show and the way it came mm-hmm. about. It was a really good show. And on the whole, AEW pay-per-views this year have, have knocked it out of the park. More often than not, the AEW pay-per-views in general are really freaking good, if not better than that. And that's a high mm-hmm. bar. I yeah. do. I, I still stand by my point. I think this is pretty overall, in terms of building to a pay-per-view, I've enjoyed this build the most. Because we really got time to flesh out the MJF bullet, excuse me, the MJF bullet club gold shenanigans going on and everything surrounding that and what's next with Adam Cole and then obviously Roderick Strong being involved in stuff and all Mm. that stuff. There's just so many different layers going on and I've really, really enjoyed it. But folks, what did you think of Full Gear? If you're watching on YouTube, you can let us know in the comments below, or we would encourage you to visit our link tree, which is linktree slash UK, where you can find the details of our social media and you can let us know there accordingly. Good sir, we'll be back very, very soon with some more videos. We're going to get back into the swing of things. We've got some fun ideas lined up as well, which we all think you will be happy with. But any other yep. passing thoughts you would like to impart on our wonderful audience before we conclude today? Uh, in terms of upcoming content, obviously next weekend Survivor Series. That's going to be an interesting show in Is Chicago. That next weekend already, flipping. Out. Yep, yep. <laughs> it's a double, but it's a double header. So we've got, we've just had full gear. Next Saturday, it is Survivor Series in Chicago. Mm. What possibly happens there? Who knows? But generally, the card at the moment looks pretty good. You've got two War Games matches coming up. There's not been a lot of the, the brand warfare bollocks, which I thought they were teasing a bit with Nick Aldis and Adam Pearce having some choice words for one another over the last couple of weeks. But um, no, I think in, in all, it, it'll be a deal. The thing with WWE shows, again, is they they deliver really good wrestling sometimes the stories aren't really going in a in a, in a sort of satisfactory direction sometimes but they have been considerably better than we were this point well we were, we were still in a good place this point last year basically it's better than when vince is in control so 
I'm, re- I'm that- in particular at the moment really enjoying sort of the SmackDown women's division side of things. Oh, like the whole damage they- control thing they're doing oh. is so good. It just, it's just you, you turn the you turn the faction from kind of okay, the factions still go into oh, this is getting interesting, especially with the. <laughs> Especially with the return of Kari Sane, who at Crown Jewel just looked like she was ready to pilot an Evangelion. Um, <laughs> Which was great, I won't lie. She it's like it's like, oh no, it's like, yep, get the Evangelion ready. She's ready to she's ready to pilot. It's just it's just the sort of very sort of emo look. Because you you expect him to come back in like the full pirate waifu sort of mm. thing with like with the big old big old steering wheel and the pirate's hat and going, Yarhar, shiver me timbers. I mean, the, the crime that they have never used Lazy Towns, you are a pirate as an entrance theme is a crime. <laughs> Yar, har, fiddle dee, being a pirate. But that is your official opinion that that will not, will not change. <laughs> yes. I'm still disappointed they didn't use it for WrestleMania when they had the pirate ship. That's still a big, that's still a big move. Anyway, besides the point, uh, damage control. I'm going to make it some, I'm going to make a guess here. I bet the rights to that song were too much, but carry on. <laughs> It's Lazy Town. How could it be too much? I mean, it depends how popular Lazy Town still is. I don't. Lazy is Lazy Town still still going on, the, on this wrestling podcast? Is Lazy Town still going? Let's find out. This, this is the kind of divergent no, no, we need no, to know, no, folks. No, no, it finished in 2016, so there's plenty of oh, opportunity. Yeah. They've had they've yeah. had they've had seven years to get the rights to that. <laughs> seven years. <laughs> <laughs> oh anyway, my word! Um, but no, but no. Again, some. Cool stuff. I mean, Drew Drew has now aligned with the Judgment Day, which is mm-hmm. going to be quite interesting to see how that plays out. Uh, other things, obviously, the Bloodline stuff has kind of tempered off a little bit, I suppose. I think, but I think it will probably get back into full gear, ironically, uh, <laughs> in, 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 when we start to Royal Rumble season. Um, yeah. Though the fact of Solo completely murdering John Cena with thumbs is still something that's quite shocked me a bit <laughs> but it's like oh solo's gonna win why is he just spiked john cena 14 bloody times oh oh solo's won <laughs> oh oh okay this is weird this is scary i don't like it but um took a quick glance at the actual card for survivor series i'm not gonna go through the whole thing because i know we're gonna wrap this up in a second i will just say yeah. having just seen what's listed on wikipedia i must see the utter demolition of the miz via Gunther. You, you mean hot baby face Miz against I'm sorry, Gunther? I'm sorry, what? The Miz is a baby face in this and he's getting... He could have fooled me actually. based on Crown Jewel. I mean, I mean, Gunther's going to murder him, of course, but... Um, oh, oh, God, that weird segment with the Miz and Grayson Waller and the and the Saudi actor who no one knew what it was. He was like, who are you and what are you doing here? Oh, okay. Local, local, local hero of it. All right. Time to go to the bar. Yeah, because I yeah, did the uh, WrestleTalk Watch Long for that, and I'll be doing the WrestleTalk Watch Long for Survivor Series for that one as well. So should mm. be good fun. Should be good fun. But no, um, Survivor Series coming up. We'll, we will see who turns up, who returns, who who debuts, all that sort of stuff, because it's like, I think the big hanging question is, because in Chicago, is a certain person actually going to turn up? I think the sense, the sensible side of me says, nah, this is like, it's, 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 if, I mean, never say never, but it's just like, it would, I would say it would be really weird if it happened. It really would. I don't know if I would be happy or something. I just, I just be, I just be, well, obviously, because the whole CM Punk side of things is kind of 
soured a lot since obviously the summer, but it's just kind of like, it's like they wouldn't, would they? But then again, this is WWE. And it's like anything can we'll find That's out just- next weekend. As it were. Yes. And we'll endeavour to do a, a, a recap of that show in some form. It may not be immediately after the show. We will see yep. how things go. But we will endeavour to do that. And as mentioned, be on the lookout for more podcasts coming soon. Be you in the audio-only realm or on YouTube. From myself, the Giraffe me, Jeremy Graves. From him, the Decadane, Mr. Ian Bolton. Thank you very much for checking out this edition of Bunker Mania Wrestling. Until next time, take care. <laughs>